in ages past, our hope for years to come. Our shelter from the stormy blasts in our eternal home. Well, it's good to be in the house of God and worship together. The message I have this morning is a meditation on the eternity of God. It's not new to you. It is something that you can stir up your mind by way of remembrance and it is uh, is really an exercise, I believe, in in uh, meditation and reverence for God, the eternity of God. So this hymn, actually written by Isaac Watts, is very fitting for the message I have this morning. In fact, one of the main texts I have, taken from Psalm ninety. And you can turn there, as we're going to read there. I believe most of this hymn was taken from that psalm. Some of it quoted directly, some indirectly. Thank you. So perhaps we will sing this hymn again at the end. In Psalm 90, and I will be reading uh, through this psalm here, it says, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth, and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down, and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants." O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear, 
unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Now this psalm is entitled as a prayer of Moses, the man of God. So these are the words of Moses. And he reflects on the eternity of God. And he says here that the Lord has been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Now, he continues on in this psalm talking about the eternity of God and and making a few comparisons to stretch our minds a bit to understand what this is, the eternity of God. And then he compares it to man's life and perhaps one of the key verses in that is in verse 10 where he says the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So he's drawing a contrast between man's lifespan, which to us seems long. Seventy years seems like a long time. But in comparison to the eternity of God, It is but like a vapor, like a breath. It is soon cut off and we fly away. And then in verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. That is the lesson to be drawn from this this exercise in thinking about God, the eternity of God, the shortness of our life in comparison but that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. In Genesis 21.33, in the account of Abraham, it says, And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. The everlasting God. In Exodus 3.15, And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. So this prayer that we read here in Psalm 90 is but a portion of what Moses heard from God. As we read here in Exodus 3.15, God declared himself to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that is his name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. So from generation to generation, this is still God's name. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus repeated that and used it as evidence that 
when he names these men, he is not naming those who are dead and gone, but he's naming those who are still living. They are, um, to them has been granted eternal life. And so God can use that name, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Deuteronomy 33, 27, it says, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. The eternal God is our refuge. In Psalm 90 here, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Or, from generation to generation, all generations past, present, and future, find their refuge in the Eternal One, because God is eternal. Now as we seek to stretch our mind, as it were, to things that are eternal, we can't really explain it. We are able to comprehend the fact that it exists. Eternity exists, but when asked to explain it, well, there we run into difficulty because we can't find anything that quite expresses it. And in fact, our mind can't fully process it or explain it, but we do have enough comprehension to understand that it does exist. The fact that we cannot explain it, and in, in, in uh, Job 36, one of the uh, counselors that Job had, had this to say, Behold, God is great, and we know him not, neither can the number of his years be searched out. Neither can the number of his years be searched out. That's because it goes and goes and goes. And we can even comprehend that there was a point, we say, a point in time. <laughs> but again, that uh, is simply a manner of speaking because before there was time, God existed. And we understand that there was a beginning of days. There was a time upon the earth when the earth, um, before the world was, God was. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. But at the foundation of the earth, we can begin our reckoning of time. And then there's a progression, because there was a time before the world. And because it's created... There can be a time after the world, but God is beyond all of that. As Moses here referred to the creation, he says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Now, we know today... Um, it is quite popular for those who do not believe in God to speculate about the age of the earth. And they will ascribe 
some somewhat mystical ages past, millions and millions of years, and then soon it turns into billions, because, well, why is that? Well, if you, if you start talking about millions and billions, the mind just sort of glazes over. You can't really understand such an enormity of, of time past. And hopefully in that obscurity we somehow come up with a time or something where this sprang into existence. Well, everything created has a beginning in time. There is nothing created that has an eternity past. It has a beginning point. Because prior to that, there was a time when it did not exist. And that's evidence, clearly, that God exists beyond what we can perceive, both in space and time. Because before the world was created, God existed. He was the self-existent one. He was from... Eternity passed, and then he spoke, and the things that were not came forth as though they were. That was because he existed in eternity past, not um, without a beginning. He was that cause which was able to bring forth the things that were not. And so, there is a great gulf between what pre-existed and what is created. And so, it is very evident that God was not created. There was none that came before him, and there is none that will come after. He is the eternally existent one. In fact, since God is eternal, he can use the title, which he did, was the title of the I Am. When Moses was before God in the burning bush there, I believe it was, and God was giving him instructions to go to lead his people out of Egypt. And Moses asked the question, how shall they know that, uh, you know, that this is God? How, what, what shall I tell him? Who shall I say that, that sent me? And, he, and God answered and said, tell them that the I am hath sent thee. If we understand that title, the I am, the one who exists, all created things, by contrast, have a beginning. And therefore, they cannot use that self-existent statement of I am, because before a beginning, there was no am. Only the eternally existent one can use that title, the I am, with no qualifiers. So 
So if God created all things, all those things had a beginning. But he existed before all that. Because God is eternal, it is also evident that he does not change. Let's read in Hebrews chapter 1, if you want to turn there. We'll be coming back to the psalm passage there, but in Hebrews chapter 1, it says this in verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Thy years shall not fail. Now, by contrast of God not failing, his years not failing, we do fail. In fact, if we consider man's life, which is but a short span, there is a time when that life begins with a lot of freshness and youth and vigor. And while, the, while a child, newly born, is perfectly formed, he is not yet fully developed. And so if you were to compare what he begins with as to what he becomes in advanced age, a, a child does not have the understanding and the knowledge that someone of advanced age has. So there's a progression from knowing little, no knowledge, to acquiring much knowledge. But then, toward the end of life, that also begins to fade away. And in some cases, it remains strong up until the time of passing, and sometimes it just diminishes to where they almost come back to where they were as a child unable to really comprehend a lot. So there is a progression, a from little to much and perhaps to little again and then it's then it's gone. But God is not like that. It does refer to God in Daniel in the vision that Daniel saw, it refers to him as the ancient of days. Now when we think of something ancient, we think of something that is lacking in the freshness and vigor of youth, perhaps. It's, it's ancient. It's, and we tend to associate that with a diminishing because that's our mortality. But that's, when God uses the title Ancient of Days, it refers to the fact that he has always existed from eternity past. But there is no shadow of turning. There is, he does not fail. He does not change. And so, though he is ancient, he is in no way diminished from what he always has been. 
There is no time in eternity past that God did not know all things. And none of that knowledge is ever lost or ever diminished. It's just always there as the ever-present I am. And so, the eternity of God flows into his other attributes, that of all knowledge, that of wisdom. There is no searching of his understanding. His, infinite, his wisdom is infinite because he is the eternal God. Because he is eternal, he is also our refuge. He changes not. There is a phrase in scripture that talks about the eternal or the everlasting hills. But hills are not everlasting, are they? Mountains can and in the future shall be cast down. In the end of time, it's said that men will flee to the hills and call on the rocks and the mountains to fall on them, to hide them. Because we look at hills as being, you know, relatively stable. In fact, men build fortresses in the hills and in the mountains. They, they dig into them and use them as an unshakable hopefully, refuge. It's the most stable thing we can find. But we know from Scripture that even though it may refer to them as the everlasting hills, and in Psalm, what is it, 121, says unto the hills, do I lift up mine eyes from whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Since God is eternal, God knows all things as present, not just past, not just future. He knows it all as if it were an eternal present. It's really hard for us to wrap our minds around that because we can think of a time before we knew something And we recognize surely that there are things we have forgotten and can no longer recall. But with God, all things are as an ever-present knowledge. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. It's, It's all there. He sees it all because he is beyond all time. Now back here in our text, Psalm 90, let's just note, in verse 4, he uses a bit of a picture there for us to comprehend. It says, For a thousand years in thy sight are as but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Now a watch in the night would be that... um, short space, I believe they had 
maybe divisions of three hours, three or four hours, however it was. Um, if men were to watch through the night, they would have their turn of whatever it was, three or four hours, in which you were to stay awake and keep a watch, and then it would shift to someone else's turn, generally. So just a very short space. A thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday. Now we think of yesterday, we can think of what happened, and we can think of the day before, and the day before that, and the day before that. So, you know, counting by thousands. We, uh, if we were to compare it by days, we, we can think of many, many past days. So God is not at all hindered from seeing the whole scope of history, which according to the scriptures, is somewhere around 6,000 years past. That's not more than a week in his memory. It is, it's still like the reality, living, living in the present from God's perspective. And then he goes on here in Psalm 2, Liken it to the, the grass groweth up, in the morning it flourisheth and groweth up, in the evening it is cut down and withereth. And in that sense he was shortening man's life span into that of a day. And so a man's lifespan is no, uh, no more difficult for God to comprehend than what we could observe in a in a day's passing. And even our whole life, when a thousand years can pass as a yesterday, God is eternal. Now, God does... Though he existed from eternity past and will exist eternity future, God is also granted to us as his creation eternal life. Well, that is a blessed thing to rejoice in. God grants to us eternal life. And in John 17 verse 2, this was a prayer of Jesus where he said, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And that's just one reference out of many. Where it is said that God gives to us eternal life. And I want to emphasize that word give. Because eternal life is not something that we as creatures can grasp a hold of on our own. We have no access to eternal life except it be given to us. Because we had a beginning. We do not have the power of eternity in our grasp. We have been created. But God, who exists 
eternity past and future, is able to grant and give eternal life. And that hope we have, yes, as an anchor to our soul, because God is the eternal one and is able to grant unto us eternal life. In fact, it's in our faith, or at least a portion of our faith, is the fact that God is eternal and the knowledge that he has always existed and will always exist in the future, and therefore he is ever-present to be able to fulfill that which he said he would do. Because for men, when they make a promise, it can last maybe as long as they live. But beyond that, they're not able to fulfill anything. Or at least have no power to carry it out. But as Jesus Christ was given power over all flesh, as he prayed there, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. I have a the words of a song. I will just read them. Some of you probably know it. But I'll just read this in closing here. Ever the same. Jesus, Redeemer, marvelous name, living and loving, ever the same. Wondrous in working, strong to defend, all through the ages, Savior and friend. And then the chorus, changeless forever, failing us never, promises spoken, ever unbroken, praise the defender, loving and tender, ever the same, forever the same. God of creation, ruler on high, Savior of sinners, yet he is nigh. Once he has spoken, this is my name, I am Jehovah, ever the same. As in past ages, so to the end, faithful hath promised he will be friend. When we behold him, blessed be his name, we shall see Jesus ever the same. Changeless forever, failing us never, promises spoken, ever unbroken. Praise the defender, loving and tender, ever the same, forever the same. That's our God, the eternity of God.